Hi there, and welcome to Box Talk, your weekly review from the world of voiceover. I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli from Voices. So, what do you do when you work at Voices, and you're an account manager, and you know all kinds of cool things about casting, and you find yourself moving across the ocean? Well, we're about to find out, because today in studio we have Agnes Kess. Agnes is a wonderful producer. Perhaps you've worked with her at Voices. She works for Media Monks. Agnes, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Wonderful to have you here. It's so amazing that you're like literally in the same building as us right now, which is fabulous because you're in Germany now, right? That's right. Yeah. We uh, moved to Europe at the end of uh, 2018 and uh, I've been uh, in Germany for a while now. Oh, well, I miss seeing you. I'm so glad you're here. And uh, just thinking about all the, the cool accounts that you had when you were at Voices. I'm sure many of you listening have actually auditioned for Agnes. And so the account in question is Media Monks. And, and that is where you are employed now in Europe. And uh, yeah, I just it's very exciting to have you there. So there's likely a lot of cool stuff you learned at Voices that you're able to bring into your role at Media Monks. Um, what about the work itself? Like, what's a typical day like for you, Agnes? And, and is there even a typical day for a producer? I don't think so. I don't think there is really a typical day. I would I would like to say that a typical day for me is um, I first check what my team is uh, booked on for the day and then I check if we have all information ready um, and I check the the particular emails or slack messages for the for those projects and then I get on with the rest but that's really not how it goes there's always something top of mind there's always something that needs to happen first Um, there's always people who are in a bit of a rush or in a bit of a pickle so I just then try to help them first. And I just kind of start the day however it it wants to be started and go from there, which means that sometimes the day is very chaotic or the morning at least. And sometimes it means it can be really structured, but I just do what needs to be done. That's exactly what everyone needs to do is what needs to be done, right? There's always a job to be done. And so as we're talking about jobs, you have new clients that you bring on every now and then, right? So um, we all know that it's very important that we understand our client, that we know their brand and, and what they're about before we go about creating a creative brief for them or a job description for talent to read. So, you know, when you're bringing this new client on board, you're learning about them, um, you know, and you're helping them to create this creative brief, how do you know uh, what goes into a good one? Like, can you give an example of, of what you would be looking for to include in a good creative brief versus one that is not so good yeah i think it um it really shows when some when a brief is quite uh, extensive and thought through in terms of vo briefs i do think it makes sense to to think about the type of voice that you want to attach to your brand and the type of voice that really jives with your audience um i do see now that, that there is a trend towards briefs that, that it doesn't really matter if voices are male or female. And I, I kind of like that. I, I respect that, that idea. But I don't think that it should be a free-for-all. I think that you then still want to think about um, maybe a certain age range or tone or something that fits with your scripts. I think that that's another big one. References are great, but some references are great because of the script that they that they read. And sometimes a script is 
in need of a bit of a different tone than a reference voice does, for example. So I think just thinking about all these things and what fits best really makes a good brief. That's something we tell the talent all the time is that you have to know a brand before you can embody that brand to know what it sounds like, or you at least need to have the help from someone like you uh, to know those details because the, the talent isn't always the one who's in touch with the end client. They're not always the one who's able to say, oh, well, tell me why you think this, or, or how would the, the voice of your brand express that idea? Or, you know, is there a personality that like we tell them to research, go on their social media, look at their help section, see what kind of personality kind of bubbles to the top, because that's often how they can tell. Um, but also if they're looking online at past work that you've done, for instance, then that is a good indicator too of what that client might be looking for in the future. So when you give talent direction, um, how clear and concise is that for you? Like, are you like, we have to like only tell them one thing or, or do you give sometimes confusing, I don't want to say that you personally do, but a lot of directors will give contradictory kind of direction. They'll be like, oh, do this, but do it in this way. It's like, well, that is the opposite of what the first word meant, right? Um, so how, how do you find creating that brief for knowing a talent's going to read it, first of all, but then how do you position it so that they understand what you really need them to do? I think ultimately things like that come out in recording sessions. We almost always do live sessions. And I really like live sessions where we all work together best and everybody uh, gets to have their say about their interpretation of the script or of the tone or of the brand and what fits and together you figure these kinds of things out. I don't really believe that one person can say this or that is the best way of doing it. I think a talent is often very aware of what they can do with their voice and what fits best with their voice. And I think it's important to have that space within a recording session to um, make that work. Uh, I also work with a number of sound engineers that have done so many sessions that are actually often very insightful in, in what makes a good um, tone or session or how to make people feel at ease. And yeah, if you then have a creative director uh, on there who is open to the dialogue, that usually gets us to, to the best reads for our projects. That's really key. What you said is that you're working not in a bubble, like you're not in isolation, right, Agnes? You've got other editors, you've got people who are involved. Um, perhaps they're even, I don't know, the client um, themselves or a copywriter. Um, just how involved are some of the other people in kind of helping either to create that brief or in the, the listening to the samples that come in? So listening to the samples is actually something that me and the other sound PMs do. We, uh, we often do the first round uh, just because we listen to a lot of different things and are quite aware of um, general, I guess, trends or what we often see does or doesn't work. So we usually do the first rounds and then we send them on often with a bit of a recommendation. It does depend on the makeup of the entire creative team um, and, you know, just kind of figuring out what, what works for that team. Every team is, is different, obviously. 
Then after that, it goes usually through another round, at Media Monks at least, another round of, of creatives before it's sent out to the client. Usually clients are sent about three demos to, to pick from uh, and they make an informed decision. That's, that's our job, to help our clients make an informed decision about the direction that they want to take. <clears throat> I love how you've got a process and everyone clearly does. If you've been doing this work for any amount of time, you know that you need to have a certain order that you do things and involve the right people at the right times. Um, but so far as the actual listening goes, what is it that you are looking for? Because it's one thing to narrow a list down with what you know you need to find. But how is it that you approach listening to an audio file when you're trying to find the right voice for your client? Yeah, I actually like to look for something that isn't too generic. I like to look for that, that one voice or few voices that just kind of make me go, ah, that's, that's different, that's new. And it doesn't even need to be something quite out there or, or you know, completely new, but just just a little different. I like a little different. Yeah, well, a little different. So so something that doesn't sound generic, you said. So people, I think when we've talked to talent and I've heard other um, coaches talk, one of the best ways to not sound generic is to just be yourself. Like, would you say that the talent who are more authentic, they're, they're uh, likelier to bring their own special approach to the script, they're the ones who get hired? Yes, I think so. I think it also shows if you're just really comfortable with what you do, which I think also ultimately is something that just comes with time. I don't think that that is something that you can really teach yourself. I think it's just, well, learning by doing, I suppose. And it shows when you're when you're comfortable with your voice and how it sounds. And I think it, I also admire it when talent say, you know what? This is just not for me. This is not my kind of brief. This is not what my voice does. This is not a script that really jives with me. I think that kind of honesty is important because I do think that you ultimately hear it in somebody's audition or read, whether or not it fits. And if it doesn't, that's fine. All right. So so we know what makes for a good audition and, and why someone would want to keep listening or, or even move ahead with a, a voice. But tell us, Agnes... What causes you to skip someone's audition, you know, and move on to the next talent? My number one thing that I really don't like is vocal fry, oh. which is something that you hear more with North American talent than anywhere else. Um, it's just, it's not for me and I, I can't get around it. So. so do not send in vocal fry and, and what else might be a, a, a disqualifying audition? I think it's quite easy to fall into a bit of a commercial-sounding read. I think that that definitely has its place, but often it does not. So I think it's just really important to understand what kind of script you're reading, for what kind of brand, and also what the brand's audience might be. Now, I do realize that oftentimes briefs are not really very explicit about that, I think just for me, I cast for offices and clients all around the world. So chances are that I am casting for either a European client or an Asian client or anything that is not North American, I suppose. And 
the um, perception of commercial REITs is just a bit different outside of North America. Yeah, commercial REITs. So by that, you mean they sound like they're selling you something? Like yeah. they're on the radio trying to sell you a car? I can't stand radio voice. I can't stand BBC voice. It's just too much for me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, it's good to hear, though, because... If you're auditioning for someone, I'm talking to you North American town in particular, because it's easy to to not know what's going on across the pond, you know, to be in this little bubble of North American voiceover work. But when you are working with clients overseas, they're going to have different expectations, different preferences, uh, ways that they want to hear something read aloud. Um, so that being said, I know that um, being honest and applying for those roles that you you see yourself doing is important. But what are other traits that maybe the European talent are doing that perhaps the North American talent could learn from and apply in their next audition for for a company like yours? It's a good question, actually. Um, I don't think I really have a ready answer. I think, again, it's just important to sound a bit different. I think, for example... German talent can also definitely have this very set way of sounding and you'll hear it all over German radio or TV or any kinds of ads. Just be aware, I think, that the listeners have heard that voice and tone of voice before. Now, sometimes it is some some place where you are directed to and that is just what your client wants on a session and that's where you go. I think it is important to to give um, listeners, and by, so by listeners I, I mean customers of our clients, a chance to hear something new and catch their ears and just not hear the same thing over and over again. To make something that is enjoyable or thoughtful or surprising to our viewers and our listeners. Well, that's really interesting what you said about surprising people, because um, I once heard a story from a lawyer who was responsible for helping to decorate their law offices. And um, anyway, he was put in charge of this task. And instead of just getting what you would normally see in a law office, he thought, well, instead of giving them what one would expect to see and is typical, I think what I'm going to do is show them what I think they ought to see, you know, so to show them something new, something I hadn't thought about before. Um, and I think that that's the same way when you bring that that short list of talent auditions to your client is you're like, okay, well, here's some of the ones that they expect to see. Here's some of the ones that I just really like. And, and then here's, whoa, this one might actually be the one they go with, even though it, it is something that is more different and, and unique. Yeah, I think that that probably sums up most of the auditions that I sent through, the, the, the makeup of the list that I sent through is probably exactly what you just described. Uh, and again, I think that that people have a bit of a, a deserving of hearing something new or seeing something new and not just the same thing over and over again. You're a great account manager and producer, Agnes, because not everyone is thinking about how can I, you know, add value in this way? How can I, you know, share something that they may not have thought of? Um, but also, how do I do well by the talent, right? You, like, you want to reward those talent who are following directions, 
They're, you know, reading from their heart, however it is that it's coming through uh, that is most authentic. And, uh, you know, you want to say, yep, this is a great read. We're going to pass it along. So once someone's actually booked the job and we're now in a situation where you, you need to possibly direct them or get the, the read done, you know, for the, the actual job. Uh, are you seeing that there's a rise in more live directed sessions? Like, are people coming into studios in Europe? Like, what's going on? The majority of our sessions are live sessions. Uh, we really like to connect our creatives or our clients or anybody who wants to steer the talent. We want to connect them with those actual talent. Also, as I mentioned before, I really like sessions where there's a collaboration to get to the best final product. So almost all our sessions are live. They usually are remote because uh, we are in Europe and a lot of our talent don't live in the same place as we do. Um, and yeah, well, with, with digital help, everything is possible. Um, we are now also uh, having some talent in, in our studios, in our Hilversum office from time to time, which is really fun. I don't know if that is really a trend because it's just something that we have done for a long time and it's something that I prefer. But I can see that now that people start to connect a bit more, maybe it is something that's on the rise. Do they bring you cookies? Hardly. Oh, see, that was something I know the North American talent are like, let's bring the muffins, let's bake something, right? Um, so I wasn't sure if that, that enthusiasm for food um, this is transcends This is a call for European boundary. talent. Bring me cookies. Yes, yeah, some speculas. Some, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so I think that there's a, there's a great opportunity here to show some love to your recording team, right? Like, uh, because as you say, like, it's very rare, or at least in the last two years or so, it's been rare to have people come in to studios. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean it's any less desired. Like, you like seeing people. Like, I mean, you're here at Voices right now. You're on a trip. You you happen to be free and came in because you're social and you wanted to and say hi, right? Um, so just, just thinking through, like, for, for talent who are out there, like, maybe you can answer this because I've asked a couple different producers this question, but, but what can talent do to be memorable? Yeah, I think the big word for me here is reliability. If we've, um, you know, come to an agreement on something, then I want to see that agreement pull through. I don't mind negotiating at all. I think it's part of it. I admire talent that um, have their their standards and have their, um, well, maybe guidelines of, of what they want in terms of rates or how a session goes or how long a session is or when they want their material. I really, really appreciate it when people are, are honest and upfront about that. But once we have an agreement, I need you to be there. And... If you're not there, that that's a big no-no for me. Sometimes life happens and something changes. Let me know and we can figure something out. But reliability for me really is key. So along that same kind of idea of being reliable, following directions, and, and in general just being a great person to work with, uh, when someone is actually in the studio and they're doing work with you, uh, do you just let them read the script and go at it, you know, on their own? Or are you more hands-on? Is your team directing the talent as opposed to just letting them do it? I think our team is probably a little more hands-on. What we usually like to do, 
or what I like to do, and therefore it happens, <laughs> yeah. uh, is that a talent reads through a script one or two times first by themselves to familiarize with the script and also for us to kind of see where they would kind of naturally go with it. And then afterwards, we often go line by line or through different chunks to get there. And then again, just, just a collaboration of, of what works and doesn't work is I think the best way of getting a good read. Right. And you've talked about collaboration earlier. Uh, I just wanted to be really clear on this point. Are your end clients in the room or is that kind of like just your creative team? Did the talent find it's too much pressure to have the end client? Like, how does it work generally? It's not really a generally. I think the majority of jobs probably is without the end client. But there's also plenty of clients who like to be on a call. Some clients are more hands-on than other clients. For us, of course, it's important that our clients trust us and the way that we um, move the creative process to a final product. So we, we do want to uh, touch base with them, but we also hope that they let us do the direction and, and give the direction. Um, yeah, and then I also, I do always let a talent know when a client is on a call. I think that that's just really fair. But oftentimes when clients are on the call, they are usually quite familiar with what it is that we're doing and uh, are quite helpful in getting us where we need to be. That is interesting. And I'm glad that you tell a talent, like out of disclosure, the client's on the call, just so you know, like this isn't just us, but... But that said, you probably have other, um, do you have like a pre-conversation with the talent before the client gets on the call? Like, do you like prep them beforehand? Sometimes. I usually am uh, on a session a couple minutes before everybody else. And then depending on whether the, the talent and the engineer are a little earlier as well, which they usually are, we'll just have a little quick chat together of, of what to expect. Uh, sometimes it doesn't happen, but then I will just do an introduction round of this is so-and-so and they're the client or this is so-and-so and they're our creative team, just so that everybody is aware. Well, I'm glad that your clients want to be involved because I'm sure there are some that, that kind of they, they don't care one way or another. But the ones who are really invested, I, I have a feeling that those voiceover recordings turn out really well because they've communicated what matters to them. Um, what they hope to hear, but they've also had a chance to help shape, you know, that creative brief or the process. So yay for all you clients who might be listening. You never know who's listening to Vox Talk. Um, actually helping a producer to figure out what it is that you want the talent to sound like. That's always good. So, um, well, that's fantastic. And I know that we are at the last question here. So um, for producers who are listening, and I know it's a lot of talent wear this hat, they tend to, to wear the hat too. Um, what advice do you wish that you could have had like five or 10 years ago uh, that you could share with us today? I've really had to learn that um, I also have a place in the creative process. And uh, I, I can say what I think about something or uh, or give a little bit of a personal touch to it. I feel much more comfortable in that role now that I've done this for a few years and I've also done it quite a lot that I know that if I say I prefer this or that, then that has value to it. And what I actually like when when we work with with younger producers or sometimes also younger sound designers, is kind of that boldness of like, I would do this or that. And I think at some point 
in your career, you kind of lose that because you, you start to feel a little more insecure and then maybe later on you regain it again. But I really think everybody has a place in the creative process. And it may mean that what you think doesn't align with the overall idea or isn't what is finally executed. But that doesn't mean that there is no place for it. Wonderful thoughts. And that's where we're going to leave it for today. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Agnes. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And for anyone who wants to learn more, where should they go to find out more information about Media Monks? I think you just Google Media Monks and then you land on our website and there you can see all of our work, everything we do. And uh, yeah, just find out uh, what kind of company we are. Fantastic. And that's the way we saw the world through the lens of voiceover this week. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your time with us here in the studio. We had Agnes Kess here from Media Monks in the Voices studio, no less, which is awesome. Uh, you know, just I think there's so much that she shared about how to work better with the clients that you're auditioning for. There's a lot that you can take from this episode. Uh, be sure to write down what you thought was of use to you. You can tweet it out. You can use the hashtag VoxTalk if you like. And that's our show for this week. So I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli from Voices. Our producer is Jeff Bremner. You've been listening to Vox Talk. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next week. Thank you.